We've all imagined them, or maybe even seen them on TV or in a movie. Epic conquests that test your outermost limits and change what you believe is possible. Maybe it's crossing an Ironman finish line or finishing 100 miles through the Rocky Mountains. But with work and family and bills, those often seem out of reach for the average guy. Or maybe they're just reserved for the lucky ones who train for a living or have less on their plates. Well, we're just not willing to accept that. Yes, we have jobs and wives and kids, and we certainly aren't pro athletes. We're just average dudes, rejecting an average life. This is the 3OK Runners Podcast. Hey guys, it's Jeff. Enjoy these next few episodes where we dive a little deeper into the lives of the 3OK Runners. Brother Jared, Chief, and why we call him Chief, and then myself. Enjoy. Hey guys, it's Jared. Uh, welcome to bonus episode number three, where we switch the hot seat to Jeff, the the oldest and maybe wisest of the three OK runners. We can say uh, wisest, that's fine. At, at least the most introspective, I would Very, say. Philosophical. Very philosophical, I would say. I'd say oh. oldest is accurate so far. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in, and before you get in your groove, I'm gonna hit you with a tough question. Okay. You're 45 years old. Yes. You're a practicing veterinarian. Yes. What in the world makes you want to get involved with the crazy stuff that your little brother signed you up for? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's actually an easy er question than I thought you were going to ask me. I can come up with a harder one. <laughs> Um, I would say, you know, just returning the favor that I once did to you. Um, you know, I remember way back in the day when I was asking you to join in a lot of these adventures that I was the only one thought it was an adventure (laughs) and I couldn't think of anybody else that would be crazy enough to try it without knowing much about it. And, and you were the guy. You know, to to be fair, when you were asking me to do some of these early, early races, I didn't know anything about <laughs> running, racing, biking, yes. or anything. And you had done some things on your own. Yes, yes. I got, you know, I got started. I, I played sports all through high school. And then I went to small college in Oklahoma and played some basketball and, you know, spent my last eligibility year after sitting out from transferring schools, not wanting to get in basketball shape. So I got a job at the local pro shop and tried out for the golf team. And so I spent my last eligibility playing golf, which is like probably what I should have stuck with. But um, I got into veterinary school and in veterinary school, honestly, you know, you, you go to class, you study, you eat, sleep and breathe, you know, trying to figure out the anatomy and physiology and disease process and, what it does to the body. And one of the best ways for me to think was to get outside. And I started getting outside and going for a walk. And then that got boring. And then I jogged a couple houses and that got boring. And I just kept going. And there seemed to be an accumulation of knowledge. And I just stayed out there longer and longer and longer. And when I graduated veterinary school, I got my first job uh, with dad. And I had no obligations at that time. I had no family. I had no kids, nothing like that. I had a little bit of money and some free time. And so I just 
started buying things. One of the first thing I bought was a bike. So I started running. I got hooked up with other people that were running. So I did the Oklahoma City Marathon as part of a relay group. From there, my uncle Steve was doing the whole thing. And he's like, I can't believe you're not doing the whole thing. And so I was like, well, I'll try the whole thing. So the following year, I did you know, the entire Oklahoma City Marathon. At that time, it was just, it was a smaller marathon, just started and kind of growing. And that was the beginning for me. And as I ran into more people that were running and biking, um, that just got me looking for, you know, what else could I do? What what was a fun adventure? Where can I go run? Where can I go bike? And the, the crazy thing about the next part of my uh, endurance adventure is the the very first vehicle that I bought um, when I was a veterinarian was a Nissan Xterra. And I must have checked the box of yes to get on some mailing list because Xterra started mailing me stuff. And I was like, this is not even about my vehicle. This is like some sort of off-road, like swim in a lake and sleep in your truck and all kinds of craziness. And I thought, well, that sounds fun. Let's do that. This guy must be epic. He has a <laughs> Nissan Xterra. Yeah. And Who so, else buys that? And that's how I got that's how I got mixed up in my first ever off-road triathlon. And at that time they didn't have any in Oklahoma, and so I had to travel to Arkansas. Well, that was just right up my alley. And I enjoyed the solitary time on the trail. I enjoyed the travel time to think and unwind from work and I enjoyed the challenge of it all and that got me started um, and, and you were doing you were doing those pretty solo right for sure solo yeah that was me and uh, I would buy a loaf of bread and I would buy some peanut butter and some honey and if I got really lucky I would buy some Pringles or something with it but um, that was it and I'd put that in the passenger seat and just roll out on Friday night would race Saturday and I would either drive back on Saturday night if I felt good or I would just stay there and drive back on Sunday. Were those sandwiches half honey, half peanut butter? <laughs> they were. Most Sounds of the time, no jelly. It, was delicious. it was peanut butter on a spoon and then I would just take that little bear and I would squirt <laughs> that honey right in my you know, mouth. <laughs> hey, Chief, as, as he's talking about this, all this solo time together, that's how you got so philosophical. It was. He's out there thinking. The only thing in the passenger seat is a can of Pringles. Uh, I think you get pretty philosophical at that point. Uh, but J- Jeff, so tell them, how much older are you than me? I am a decade older than you. Yeah. I am 45 and you are 35. Yeah. So you're 10 years older than me. And what I can remember is you were not a runner. You didn't do running. You weren't a cross-country guy growing up. No. Um, and, and you just kind of told us you, you really started this at sort of the end of vet school, kind of as you were yeah. an adult and starting your career. And I know, you know, I was gone for college and law school. When I came back to Oklahoma, you were a runner, right? <laughs> All of a sudden it was totally transformed. <laughs> hey, Jeff's doing marathons. <laughs> Jeff's doing these triathlons. And I'm Steps like, in the backyard thinks for hours. <laughs> I'm like you're you're talking about my brother. He's, yeah, he doesn't run. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. But you know, it's it's funny because this wasn't something that you had always done. This was something you picked up later as kind of part of the start of your career and as you were launching into that. Yes, very much so. It was um, you know running up until then was something you did because you had to because coach told you to because 
you know, it's you were you were being honestly punished for some reason. That's why you would run. And you know, when I was playing basketball, you you run the stairs because you're in trouble because you messed up that kind of thing. And so, you know, what I didn't realize at the time when I graduated veterinary school, I was in my late twenties, and I was not that physically fit, uh, nor was that a priority for me. And what I realized was that time spent, the reward for how I felt. I, I couldn't explain it. And so it just drew me into, I felt better. I slept better. I ate better. My body weight was better controlled. My mood was better. I was able to handle my patients better. I was able to think more clear. And, and that directly translated to me as this is something for my well being. And then once that happens, my, um, obsessive compulsive nature to take everything to the hundredth degree took over and I started you know just seeing how far I could go with it and it just turned into uh, some crazy endurance events from there yeah and and I want to talk a lot about your your race background because I know you know you've been doing these things for 10 years longer than chief and I have but one of the things that it makes me think of is you know when I heard that you were doing the Oklahoma City Marathon and that you started doing triathlons, you were legitimately the only person that I kind of directly knew that were doing these things. And I think for, for us three sitting here now, we have a lot of connections through the running world and the triathlon world. But when we were first getting into it, there weren't a lot of people doing it that we knew of. And I think for me, it kind of shows you, you were the one person I knew. And from that one connection in that world, you know, here I am 15 or, or so years later and are doing all these races, but it just kind of shows you, it doesn't, you don't have to be in this world when you decide, Hey, I think I could try that. J Jeff was doing endurance stuff through Xterra races before it was really cool. I mean, he was kind of, I mean, I don't want to say like you're the pioneer of it all at the end of the day, but you were kind of the start of, of that era, that threshold pushing stuff and marathons are very popular and they're very, and they're difficult in their own way. Uh, but you were seeking something different already right out of the gate. You were doing Xterra races. One, I hadn't heard that much about <laughs> Besides you, I mean, you drove a Nissan Xterra, so I thought, okay, <laughs> that guy must be doing something. But no, seriously, you were doing those, and I hadn't heard of them until I had met you. And so, you were, you're, you're older, you've, you've, you've probably have the most experience amongst us three about doing these styles of races, uh, endurance uh, sports in general. And that would lead into my question of, since you have the most experience, what is your processes in your mind when you go in for a challenge, when you're when you're completing a challenge or in the middle of it, sure, sure. So um, a lot goes on in my mind. <laughs> so sometimes just trying to keep it straight is the hard part. Um, to big, piggyback on what you said, if I had to tell somebody, based off of my experience of starting endurance racing and not knowing anybody and just going myself, if there's somebody around you that you know that's running. They would welcome questions. I would love for people to ask me and to show any interest in, hey, what do you do? Because talking about it motivates me. And then to share that with somebody, if they potentially could get the benefit of nature and training and the discipline that comes with it, I would say, don't be afraid. Um, 
talk to your buddy who's doing something that you just don't know about and just ask. That's no big deal. So that, that one point. weird guy that you know at work that's doing that's these doing, things. Ask him. Yeah. Maybe he's not as weird as you think he is. <laughs> he might be onto something and spending a lot of quality, solitary time. Yeah. Um, yes. I. So I, I started Chief um, doing Xterra's when they were not very big. There We would show up and there would be like... 60 racers and there would be honestly more family members there supporting racers than there would be racers um, and at that time they broke you up into regions and you raced in a region and then if you did well in your region then you would qualify to go to nationals and stuff like that and so i got lucky enough to to compete in my region enough to accumulate enough points to go and do one of my all-time favorite races which was Xterra Nationals at Lake Tahoe and um, that was not only one of my favorite races but that is a great example of the answer to your question of how do you tackle challenges because at that time I lived in Oklahoma City I hadn't been anywhere nor done anything that I thought was you know that great um, a challenge and I went there and I got in a lake that was so cold, I will literally never forget it. I watched probably two dozen people get pulled to shore by the jet ski because been, it was so there. cold that they decided to just bug out. Um, and it, 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 you, you said a war zone. in. When we were <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, Laquita was not a war zone. I was at this race in Tahoe. If, yeah, if you, you were remember. in schooling in California. And came over. I, yeah, so right. I was, I was, it was while I was an undergrad at Stanford. We drove up to Tahoe, and we were at this race, and that was a war zone. There were jet skis all over that lake pulling people out of the water in yes. the first 90 seconds mm -hmm. of the race. Wild. And these were folks who had qualified to get there. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, you know, they were ready, you know, they were fit, but I think, you know, if you come from, you know, Oklahoma summer mm -hmm. and go get I'm not going to kid you. The challenges in that race, the very, I'll, I will never forget it. One of the biggest challenges I had was that water is so clear. You can see the bottom 60 feet down. So when you put your head in the water, not only can you see your hands, so it makes swimming a little bit easier in my arena, but you can also see the bottom. You can also see the 10 people next to you. You can see the people in front of you. You can see the people to the other side. When two or three people beside you are, are done and are hands up raising and the water's so cold that your head is pounding, it's like the challenge of do I do is it is it dangerous to keep going like are all these people do they know something I don't know but you put your hand in the water again and you put your hand in the water again and then you get around more people and you're like okay no there's more people staying in here so the challenge becomes not only that moment but it's what's down the road for you what's down the road for you you get out of the water you're so cold you can't get your wetsuit off you can't get your bike shoes on mm. you can't fasten your helmet and you go from lakeside you climb 2,000, I don't even know how many feet it is, but you climb up to the Tahoe Trail and there's snow on the ground. Well, I'm from Oklahoma. It snows like once a year, maybe twice if you're lucky. And so I'm, I'm mountain biking on the side of this thing going, so the challenge for me is, do these people bike up this road? Because it looks like they are. I want to walk. Like, this is not something I'm ready for. And you just do it. So I would say the biggest thing for me in tackling a challenge is just start doing it and adjust. Just start doing it and look around. Just start doing it and learn about it. But 
but don't stay away from it because you think it might be hard. Or or be, or because you don't know what to expect. I mean, yeah, I think everything's hard. Nobody there knows. Is, you didn't know what you were doing. You were inexperienced. No. Frankly, nobody around you knew what you were doing. It no. wasn't as if you had somebody who had told you what to expect. You were kind of out there on right. the trail, figuring that out on your own mm-hmm. in the moment, and and that's kind of, that's okay, right? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't you you kept doing it after that, and you got better after that. Um, but I mean, to me, that was that was a cool thing to see is you really didn't know what you were getting into and you were willing to get into it anyway. And, and I will tell you, if if you've ever thought about doing any kind of races, marathons or triathlons or anything, really go spectate one because yeah. you watch that happening and something inside of you says, hey, that's <laughs> that's pretty cool. And you, you were doing those races before social media and YouTube, so you couldn't go, right? I mean, yeah. I don't want to date you. No, you're right. You're correct So you about couldn't that, go yeah. out on the internet. <laughs> no, I had no this idea. This was before the internet was invented. So, great story it? here. So, I had to It was fly. Google, not Google. <laughs> <laughs> I had to fly my bike up there. So, I, I, I didn't know how to get my bike up there. I didn't know they made bike boxes at all. And I also didn't know that they took apart bikes to do that. Oh, yeah. So I had to fly my bike up there. Well, I go to this local bike store that I had it shipped to, and they put it together for me. And when I showed up to pick it up, the guy's like, how long have you had this bike? And I was like, well, I mean, I've had it since college. And he's like, what are you going to do for the race? Like, where's your race bike? And I'm like, no, 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 this is it. And he's like, oh, gosh, this is heavy. And then the second thing he said is... (laughs) This is a that was code for this bike. Yeah. shit. Yeah. 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 What the second thing here? he said, you're is, in trouble. Do you have any guy. gloves? Do you have any gloves? And I'm like, no. And he's like, it's freezing up there. You're gonna need some bike gloves. And I'm like, well, do you guys have any bike gloves? And he's like, yeah, sure. Like, I just sold you three hundred dollars worth of gear. Right. That's a great hey, sales. And way. I did not know. Did it occur to you that you probably spent more to ship your bike out there than oh, you did on that bike? Listen, you, don't you could have bought oh, a bike on location. I got that bike at a local <laughs> bike shop that is no longer in existence, and uh, I loved that bike, man. I still miss it to this day. You want to hear a funny story? We were there doing um, pre-ride stuff two or three days before. This will really date me. Um, there was somebody getting off of a training ride and run, and it was the um, UFC Diaz brothers. Oh, really? They're still yeah. doing triathlons to this day. Are they really? They really are. They that are. is wild because I'll never forget it because I thought, oh my gosh, I've seen that guy somewhere. Where do I recognize him from? And it was, Dang. it was the really D- yes. Wow, yes. we all have a long history of MMA. We didn't even know it. Yeah, no, we too. sure didn't. That's right. Isn't it? Uh, where I was going though with the social media thing was kind of what Jared was saying of Jeff didn't have that analysis paralysis where today in, in our current environment, we can want to be so information absorbed about everything. We want to know personally, I want to know everything about everything, like a race, whatever it is. I want to dig, I want to dig deep into that. I want to find out everything I can to be as most prepared as possible. And what I'm saying is, is, if that's what's holding you back, strip away that fear. Because think about what they were doing 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago with these races. Just an example of... 40 years ago racing. <laughs> Jeff's a good example of that. I don't want to get I don't want to date you again. <laughs> what I'm saying is just an example for the fact that he was out doing races and he didn't know what he was doing. And you gain that experience by signing up 
and just getting it done, you knocking know, it out. The irony of that. So this kind of, I think back about our first episode when I said, you know, part of the reason I signed up for Leadville is I didn't know what I was signing up for. Right. It's sometimes it's easier for me to ignore because there's so much information available sure. now. You can watch a video of a race that yes. you're thinking about before even deciding to sign up for. What's kind of ironic about it is Jeff started doing all this stuff, which sort of led to us doing this stuff at a time when he couldn't do that. And now Jeff does more research <laughs> and more reading and more everything for every What's race. What's that tell you? <laughs> I, right? I mean, so now he's come full circle. Now he won't sign up for anything until he knows everyone who's ever finished and I what think, time they finished. And you're such a gear junkie. And oh, there you listen. are running run down the road with a... <laughs> With a garage sale bicycle, I'm doing races now. <laughs> one of the best things, so one of our future podcasts has got to be failures. Like, what did you do during either a, a training day or a race day that miserably failed? Because I'm a huge believer, and I, I do this with my kids now. I'm a huge believer that you get yourself in there and you get baptized by fire. Like oh, the yeah. best way to learn is to get in there. If it doesn't work, figure it out. If it doesn't work, like adjust what's bothering you about it. What would you do differently? And the part of the alone time traveling, when you do that kind of thing to your body and mind, the next 24, 36 hours when you are licking your wounds and nursing your body and making your way back to work where on Monday, nobody cares. Nobody cares what I did. They don't care what I'm going through. They don't care how I feel. But I am learning how I feel. What did I learn? How am I going to be better next time? Because it matters to me. And it kind of matters to me if anybody else knows, but not much. Like, I'm still doing it. I, I do it for the personal growth and what I learn about myself in the middle of the fire. Reminds me of the Marine Corps motto of adapt and overcome. Mm -hmm. As much of what you're saying by trial by fire is you will never be fully prepared for what you want to do, but you need to be able to adapt and overcome that obstacle that's in your way of your the goal that you're wanting to complete. So do you have a question for him, Jay? I do have a question. Um, this is a question that Chief and I have both answered, and you know our answers are similar in some ways and they're different in other ways. Um, you've got your own life. You've got your own career. You've got kids. Um, how do you fit everything in, Jeff? What are the What are the practical things that you do um, that make these things possible or attainable um, that you could share with people that would help them? Okay, um, I strategically plan the week every Sunday. So I've already done it today. Uh, it's part of my Sunday routine is mapping out what training I have and how I'm going to get it done. What are the kids' schedules? What is my wife's schedule? And I'm a huge fan of, I am, I am not a snooze button hitter. So I, when I hear you guys say that, I, it just kind of makes me chuckle because we are 
very different, although accomplishing the same thing. It's because you're so old. I am for sure. I don't need my sleep. Once you get your age, do you even sleep anymore? (laughs) I wake up before your alarm. (laughs) (laughs) If I if I do it right, I can I can beat the alarm a little bit, almost like a dog. Right? It's uh, the only people that get up before the alarm are the the dog and I. So um, I'm a huge fan of I don't hit the alarm and I wake up with intentionality. Like I I don't want to waste time making my coffee. Um, I want to get up, have it ready and get after it. And so I am a four thirty alarm guy. And whether that means I'm four thirty alarm and getting on my trainer and riding my bike while the family's asleep, whether it means I'm going to spin class at the YMCA, um, whether that means I'm getting up and putting my cold weather gear on and running my two mile circle in my neighborhood, Whatever training is on tap that day, I'm getting up and getting after it. Because if I don't, by the time the end of the day runs down, my um, draw to take care of my family, to spend some quality time with my kids, will override my training every time. So I am a first thing in the morning trainer and at lunchtime. I I don't. I eat on the fly every lunch, uh, Monday through Friday. Because those are some of the best times for me to train and to clear my mind and make sure that I'm sharp at work. And training does that for me. Uh, I schedule. I've eaten the same thing for breakfast for the last five years. Like it's, I <laughs> I am a regimented guy. Um, I listened to some doctor one time make the uh, comparison. He said, you know, I, I treat my patients all day, every day for this and that and whatever condition they're going through. And then I look at my dog. My dog sleeps and he eats the same thing every day and he's never sick in his whole life. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because I'm a veterinarian, but that spoke to me. And I thought, man, the more things I can stay consistent with, with my sleep and my diet and my training, the less likely I am to have to deal with injuries, fatigue, um, any sort of illness that might derail the plans that I have, because I don't make plans that are, you know, one day long. I make plans that are a year in the making and I can't afford, you know, weeks off here and there being sick, not being disciplined. And like, I, I honestly, I'm just a a crazy person about being disciplined. It's so funny because it's, what you say is so much the opposite of, of what I do. You know, I mean, even the, the thought of waking up and eating the same thing over and over. I mean, I cringe at that thought. I don't, I don't decide what I'm going to eat for lunch until I get in the car and I'm on the way to lunch. And I, and I sort of be real quiet and try to listen to what speaks to me. And then I drive there and get that for lunch. But I think it's so, it's so crazy to me that, you know, part of your routine is planning. It's sitting down Sunday and planning. Um, and I, I just think it's so interesting that it's your routine to prepare for the exact same thing that I'm preparing for. And our way to get there could not be more different. Yeah. I'm a believer in common goals. I I also think that's you know, that feeds back into the ability for anybody to be able to accomplish things. Like there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it, but there might be a right way for you to do it. And, you know, this, this kind of goes back to my belief in like messing it up or failing to figure it out. 
you got to do two or three different ways before you figure out that's not going to work for me. And then when you do it a way that works, like I just have a hard time deviating from what works. Yeah. So, you know, I liked what you said too about, you know, sometimes you get up in the morning and you go to a YMCA spin class, whatever. And I know that your training plan does not say go to a YMCA spin (laughs) class, right? I mean, your training plan says something right? and you've got a, a, modification to that that works for you and that you do. And I am a huge believer in that. Um, When we select a training plan, we usually try to select the same training plan and we're all on the same training plan. And so we're reading the same thing and we still all do it differently. You know, I mean, I, I, I love to take advantage of group fitness classes at my gym. I, I mean, I'm the other day I'm in a group fitness class in the evening and I'm a guy in a group fitness class with 12 women, silver sneakers. <laughs> you know, no, they were young women, but, but honestly, I'm, I'm the only guy in there, but, but I don't care because I needed to get 60 minutes of kind of higher intensity workouts in and I was in a mental state where I thought, you know, if I go and try to do this on my own, this workout's not going to be very good. It's going to be a little bit of a waste of time. What can I do to help myself? And, yeah. uh, you know, of course, my plan didn't say to do that. But I thought, you know what, this is just as good for me because this is what is fitting my life at this moment. And what I care about is the fitness that I'm getting from it. I don't care about checking off that workout that's on my training plan. I care about trying to get fitter because the goal is what matters to me. Oh, that that is just so on point. Like you couldn't have said that any better. You know, fitness translates. And so I am a huge believer that the more fit you are, the more you'll be able to accomplish your goal. Whether that goal is a triathlon or a, you know, 5K or just, you know, doing a crazy hike or something that you want to do. The spin class covers 45 minutes with 10, you know, 20 second sprints. Well, that sounds like spin class to me. So done, you know, if I've got a four mile run and I can't do a four mile run, but I can do three miles on my tread climber which will actually take me longer and probably be a harder workout than four easy miles for me. That's easy. And that is not on the plan per se, but that's on my plan. And that fits for me. And if you can make it fit for you, the beauty of this group is you guys are down for the long stuff like I am. And so when we say, man, we're doing 13 miles, like you guys are yes, all in. But who knows what we're doing the five or six days before that. And it doesn't mean we're not getting fitness and it doesn't mean we're not working towards our goal. So it it definitely has to work for your family and for your lifestyle. And it's a choice that you make. But I would say doing nothing is a poor choice. And that that was the one thing about Jared that I've noticed is like you you are your competitive person in in nature at, at the core of you. But you, just like this, you and you're not going to go do it by yourself. So that's where you enjoy the group training environment that the YMCA or uh, whatever gym you have will bring to you. Where I, Jeff and I, I appreciate more of that solo stuff during the weekday where I don't have to necessarily do it at a certain time. I like to try to get up in the morning and hey, if I miss that, I'm human. I, I mean, don't don't I don't want anybody to think that I get up at four in the morning every single time and I get my runs done. That is not what's happening. But I do make it a priority within my day. 
And so if I can get it done, usually right after work, as soon as I come through the door, I'm putting those shoes on and I'm getting on the treadmill or I'm going out the door for a run. And Jeff is very, very similar in, in that aspect too of, I enjoy the grind a little bit. I make it a, a part of who I am. And, and so bringing it full circle is you, to get to the end goal, you, there's many forks in the road. There's many different paths to travel. And um, before we go into our lightning, you want to do our lightning round? Sure. But what did you just open that Jared brought us today? Jared brought a couple of different, and um, I love them both, actually. Everything rhymes with orange. Uh, it's from Rough Tail. It's an IPA. It's actually my wife's favorite beer, and so I always have some in the fridge because um, I'm a good husband. It's also my favorite beer. Oh, no, yours too. So yeah. I and I guess you're a good brother, so you always have some sure. In the yeah, fridge that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Is I I'm just good uh, to the people that I love, so it's always in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is Stone Cloud uh, Brewing Company's Havana Affair. And it's a wonderful, uh, crisp Pilsner that I enjoy drinking and typically have a hard time with just the one. Just one. Just I one. I, well, I brought more today because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Beautiful. And so I, I thought that maybe. That is great. A great opener. Who do you got? Each one of you got to answer. Who do you got winning the Super Bowl today? Tampa Bay. Tampa? Because of Brady? Yes. It's only, I was going to say it's it's because you want to see Tom Brady win. Just it is. Is, he, is, he, is you guys you're the same age or what? I, I, yes, yes. Let's just say we grew up together. <laughs> I, uh, Jeff cheers for, for legends. He, cheer, yeah. he's a, he's I, a Jordan guy. He's I a am. Tom Brady guy. That's Ric right. Flair. That's right. I love dynasties. I actually think the road to the top is slightly easier than maintaining the top. I think once you are up there, the, Things that are required to stay up there outweigh your trip up there. Brady is, he is a We're gonna find out. creature. We're going to find out. Just to be out. able to do what he's done is wild. <laughs> but I've got, I think I have the Chiefs. Being from Kansas, i got to go for the Chiefs. I so, figured yeah. you would. I think the yeah. Chiefs are going to win, although I'm, I'm pulling for Brady. I listened to him on the, uh, what is the, the Dak Shepard podcast. What is that, Armchair Quarterback, Armchair Expert? I listened to that this morning, and, uh, and so I'm I'm pulling for him. I don't know why. He's he's like a guy that everything <laughs> it doesn't seem like I should like him, but for some reason I just think he's done so much and he just commands so much respect that I can't not say, yeah, just add another one to your legend. Man. I didn't think I was like, dude, when he goes to Bucks, I mean this is a career ender. <laughs> Great decision. But it just testament to his ability to win. The 199th pick in the draft coming out of Michigan as a backup quarterback. Wow. Who thought going to New England as a third string? And I had, and you know, s- small little side story here. Being in the Navy, I was in the Navy with a guy that was the ball boy for the New England Patriots when Brady was just drafted. And, uh, Deflate gate? Are you no, 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 no. <laughs> Is it his fault? Are you outing this guy I'm on the podcast? Much for all these people? I can't confirm. This is not about me. It's not about me. <laughs> And he would talk about Brady's his work ethic. He would spend hours after practice catching yeah. balls. And, and the guy did – I don't remember the, the main quarterback at the time. I want to say it's Drew Brees, but it's not Drew Brees. It's Drew something. Bledsoe. Bledsoe. He was a big starting quarterback at the time. He's like, I want to catch balls for Drew Bledsoe, not this third-string Tom Brady guy. But, hey, here we are, Super Bowl, Tom Brady. But lightning round. All right, I'm ready. And you've heard these questions. 
we we realize that because you you I have them. not <laughs> prepared any answers. I will say I have not prepared any answers. Um, Highly unlikely. I I actually think this is very true because I did think earlier what my favorite meal was. I feel like that came up with the big Texan. I think. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my favorite meal. That's the most just, difficult thing he's ever done. Please oh, okay. do not confuse okay. those two things. Well, I mean, you, can, is, you can see how much I thought about it. So that's how much I thought about it because I thought, my, I don't, I don't have anything that can compete with that. Well, Jeff, I got I, with as philosophical as you are. I feel like the lightning round has to be a big, big feeling li- for you. The lightning round. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean my palms are a little sweaty because I do know the questions, but I feel like I might not know the questions. I don't know why that is. Dude, you've been eating the same breakfast for like 10 years. It's That's got to be your favorite meal. Five. When I turned 40, I'm going to tell you a quick story about why that is the case. Right before I turned 40, my boys were playing with me and jumped on my back and they both hit me at the same time and I was in an awkward position and I got the overwhelming feeling of they're going to hurt me. And I thought at that moment, you've got to be kidding me. I am turning 40 and I can't keep up with my boys. And I made like a personal vow at that time. I will always be able to keep up with these boys. Whatever they want to do, I will do it with them. And that was the start of that. That means awesome. I'm not sure how that connects to the same breakfast for five years, but I understand your point. I can agree to your point. That's when I started wanting to get fit, by the way. Lightning round. Get it. Lightning round. Favorite movie? Braveheart. Nice. It's classic. Favorite piece of gear? Oh, wow. Oh, this my is gosh. a tough one for Jeff. Favorite piece of uh, gear? We'll, you got a golf watch? I, I love it. I you got a golf watch. I do. I think it's a nice one. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a guy that owns more gear than Jordan and I Favorite piece of gear? The travel trailer. Oh, solid. Yeah. Solid answer. Going unexpected there. I like yeah. that. What's funny is that this is a new thing. It yeah. is a very new thing. I've been, so uh, it's a new thing to own one. It's not a new thing that I've wanted one. Yeah. It took me a long time to convince my wife that this was a great idea. And I would say we got it in May, took our first true family vacation during quarantine in the COVID. We were in the RV park. And social distance from everybody. And my wife truly had one of her best times ever. And I think I got her hooked from there. So we, this will probably be something that we incorporate into our family. Um, of, of probably as long as we have kids. Yeah. yeah have you, have you talked to her about the three okay runner wrap? I have not. I have not. I I think if her company could go together to kind of like sponsor our rap, that would be awesome. We would put their name on it and everything. So anybody out there that's interested in uh, sponsoring a 3OK Runner uh, rap on our traveling trailer (laughs) country club, we're open to suggestions. So just send it to our email. I cannot imagine better advertising Particularly for a beer sponsor, I feel like. I mean, not to not to push an agenda here, but particularly for a beer sponsor to just be, you know, driving down the road, parked at all these epic races. I mean, we do a ton of stuff. Trust me, we, you know, we we're do everywhere. A lot of stuff. We're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, your name's going to be it's, everywhere. That's the general theme. Email right? us three okrunners at gmail.com. <laughs> Google us. The favorite book. Favorite book. My favorite book is uh, called Play the Man. It's by Mark Batterson. 
and it goes through um, different character traits of what makes a man. And at the end of that book, he talks about the um, transition from childhood to adulthood in a young boy's life. And that spoke to me because when my boys reach that point of preteen trans transferring into kind of young adults, um, we are going to do something epic to mark, uh, becoming a man. And I think it's more difficult than people give it credit for. And there's so much out there that says, you know, who you are is maybe not who you were supposed to be. And I think if you learn who you were supposed to be, um, and you hold true to that, then play the man seems like a good one for my life. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, your favorite meal? My favorite meal is, oh, you know, I really love like raiding the pantry at night. Um, but my favorite meal is probably stuffed peppers. Wow. Wrapped in bacon? Stuffed peppers is a, a rice and oh. sausage mixture in a pepper that gets baked and my wife knocks it out of the park. Uh, so Jenny... Uh, once I convince you to listen to these podcasts, please make stuffed peppers because I love them. And evidently, uh, us. Chief and Jared would like <laughs> it to go yeah, under. That would be great. Hearing the description of them. Stuffed thought, peppers. You know what? This is my favorite meal, too. I haven't had them yet, but <laughs> I can guarantee you. Hey, you know, I, I want to, before, I know we're in lightning round, no, so good. we should <laughs> break in. But do you remember that meal we had prior to the oh. Eureka Springs Xterra race in that house. I do. That Italian It was restaurant. wonderful. Oh my gosh. I believe that was after we previewed the course. Oh, uh, another <laughs> episode. <laughs> we previewed the course and my brother Jared still blames me to this day. So we'll touch that on the next episode. Be but sure to ask him about that, it. do you remember that Italian restaurant yeah, in Eureka was... Springs? It was in an old house. Is it Gee, a restaurant? I mean, it's a restaurant. I mean, honestly, what, probably one of my top five favorite meals I've ever had in my life. Mm. And I'm that, I mean, that's what I do. Wherever I travel to, I find where do I need to go eat a meal? And it that was, was a great meal. Incredible. Yes, it was. In Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Probably because we were exhausted. Who would have thought maybe that was it? A little dehydrated. We too. might try it again before we start recommending it. But honestly, it was one of the best meals yeah. of my entire life yeah. that I had with you. My anyway. wife and I were married in Eureka Springs. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a really cool area. Yes, it is. It's really hilly there. We might think about it for some elevation training when we talk about that. I really feel like Arkansas is underrated in general, especially the northern part, north of I-40. Oh, yeah. Man, this hill is beautiful up there. You know, Walmart's put in an insane amount of trails. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, oh, mountain biking, trail running, literally, really? I'm going to, I'm ignorant on this, and so I may be saying something totally wrong, but, I mean, like, hundreds of miles of trails. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because they, that's where they were founded at. It was like the Rogers, Rogers Arkansas think, area. Yeah. Right. All right, that's close. Like, put that on the list. Yeah, that's out by the, out by the lake. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking the trailer. We absolutely oh, have to man. do that. That'd be awesome. And that's why that wrap with the beer sponsor would be a fun <laughs> idea. <laughs> Golly, I mean, I think we're coming up with great ones today. It's sitting just local. This is global. <laughs> this is internet. We are. We have an Australian listener, whoever you are. Thank you. So, we are global. Um we already talked about your favorite race, so I'm going to throw a curveball. Yep. What's your favorite beer? Curveball, favorite beer, hands down, Tank 7. 
Boulevard at Kansas, Kansas City. Kansas beer. Couldn't go. Oh my gosh. Go tank seven. Anywhere there's tank seven. You I'm just down. blew our local beer sponsor. I'm right so there. sorry. Answer, I'm so just... sorry. <laughs> tank seven farmhouse ale. Um, I always tell my wife, man, if we go somewhere that has, you know, rough tail, Erwo and tank seven, like it's going to be a good it's night. It's going to be her. a good night mm. for us. Oh. <laughs> Daddy's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'll wrap up the podcast of interviewing Jeff. Appreciate it, man. And uh, I appreciate all of you guys. You can find me at, at saving at Savage Navy Chief on Instagram. You can find you at Jeff. You can find me at Jeff Boyer on Facebook. And you can also find me at Jeff Boyer 75 nice. on Instagram now. Uh. And if you did not get your question answered today, feel free to send me a question. I'll be happy to answer just about anything. In regards to training and honestly, just about anything. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so much more we could talk about with you, Jeff, and so much more about even just the history of us three that we could talk about. So you guys, um, if there's anything that you want to know, certainly reach out to us. We also have the email at 3okrunners at gmail.com. Uh, I'm on social media at Iron Man Lawyer. So look us up, hit us up, and uh, thank you guys so much for listening.